0: this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. What a week. You ever feel like there's just too much news happening around you but so little time? It can be a struggle to keep up with it all and knowing what is going on in your own backyard. Believe us, we know. That is why every Friday at noon, we get caught up on the week's stories, big and small, with our weekly news recap. Stories like these.
1: Chicago Bears have finalized the deal to
0: buy the old Arlington Park racetrack property. In an open letter, the Bears said finalizing the purchase of the property does not mean for sure that a new Bears stadium will be built there, but it is an important next step. The election for mayor is less than two weeks away.
2: And if you ever thought your vote didn't matter, think again. A new poll shows a very tight race at this point.
0: Our panel this week to help break down the top stories are Brandon Pope, reporter and anchor from CW26. Hey, Brandon. Hello. How are you? Doing well. Good to see you. Derek Blakely is here, former CBS2 Chicago politics reporter. Hi, Derek. Welcome to Reset.
3: Sasha, great to be
0: here. And rounding out our panel is Corley J., reporter with Crane Chicago Business. Welcome to the show, Corley. Thanks for
4: having me, Sasha.
0: Don't forget that you can also watch the weekly news recap right now on the WBEZ Facebook and WBEZ YouTube pages. And you can also watch the live stream on Reset sets Facebook page. All right. I want to start with one of the big stories that broke this week. It's on everyone's minds. Of course, I'm talking about the Chicago Bears. They announced that they have been they've closed on the purchase of Arlington Park, which is a huge step toward the team moving outside of Chicago. I know that you've been following this story, Brandon your yeah. thoughts. <laughs> I mean,
1: the whole reason they brought in Kevin Morning. Yes, yeah, they're 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 going to leave. I mean, it's pretty much a done deal. They released a statement saying this does not mean it's a done deal, of course. Yeah. There's right. still lots of different processes that have to go through, but sure. look, this is a pretty big this <laughs> is a pretty big sign that they got this. So, it's some context here, the Bears right now are projected as the fifth most lucrative franchise in football. And that's according to Forbes. It's also projected if they move to Arlington Heights, they become the number one most lucrative franchise by building a new stadium. The idea is that it brings in more revenue, brings in more interest. And the big conversation, of course, is a dome. Soldier Field, Mm -hmm. the snowy conditions, players get frustrated. Justin Fields just making comments (laughs) uh, on a podcast about how he would like a dome. He
0: said, quote... I don't care if we're at Soldier Field. I don't care if we're at Arlington Heights. I hope we get a dome.
1: <laughs> now, here's the tough part for Mayor Lori Lightfoot, okay? She doesn't want to go down as the mayor that lost the Bears. Um, and she's kind of throwing in her Hail Marys right now. She's offered to put a dome over Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. The cost of that, though, let, let me get this exact number for you. It's, it's a doozy. <laughs> we're talking billions of dollars here. $2 billion, okay? <laughs> $2.2 billion for a, a dome over Soldier Field. Some of that, she says, would be through a licensing naming rights deal, but she hasn't given an exact plan to fund the rest of it. She had a press conference yesterday reacting to this. She's not losing hope. She says that now the situation, basically, she was not allowed to negotiate directly with the Bears Mm. during this process because they were in exclusive negotiations with the Arlington Heights race course area. Now that that deal has been kind of struck, she can now talk with the Bears freely, and she thinks that actually benefits her, and she's hoping she can make a late Hail Mary pass and get them to say, hey, Soldier Field, we're going to make some renovations, we're going to make it more attractive, and keep them there. The well, negotiation better be a poker game, though, because <laughs> she's got no cards to play. That's the yeah, tough part, right? I mean, yeah. she, we, we're still paying
3: off the $700 million in bonds that it costs to redo Soldier Field. Yeah. Where is the money going to come from? And it, no deal that she can cut. Can give the Bears what they're going to get in Arlington Heights, exactly. which is yeah. total control mm-hmm. over everything—the mm-hmm. building, parking, concessions. Yeah. You're talking about a dome. We could we could have a a Final Four uh, st- uh, located in Chicago. Mm-hmm. We uh, there could be uh, mega concerts in the winter right. there. Yes, so there's true. many more money making uh Money-making possibilities right. mm-hmm. for the McCaskies in Arlington Heights and exist in Soldier Field. And, and nothing Lori Lightfoot does can really, can really compare really
4: right. that. Right. They already made up their mind. Let's face it. They have not want to leave for a while now. <laughs> yeah. It's not the first time well, that they proposed.
0: Corley, the, I mean, the question that keeps coming up is, is, is what is Chicago without the Bears, right? But should the question be what is the team? Without, Without Chicago? Chicago, I think that's a better question. <laughs> but I mean, at the
4: end of the day, they're still going to be Chicago Bears, right? There's a lot of teams, NFL teams yeah. that don't play in the city necessarily.
1: That's, that's that's the thing. I've been rooting for them to move because you look at most. There's a lot of NFL teams. New York Giants, New York Jets are not in New York. They're mm-hmm. in New Jersey, right? the, the Washington, Washington football team, they are not in Washington. They're in Maryland. Right. Like, you know, there's there's numerous teams that they're not in the city that their name claims to be. So it's not out of the ordinary yeah. at all. And Soldier Field is still going to be there. Right. I imagine exactly. Notre Dame and other college programs, Northwestern, mm-hmm. are going to still use it. You still
4: got concerts. You'll still have
1: the on-the-run tours and right. the re- re- Renaissance tour <laughs> and everything. Exactly. Beyonce's right. going to do her thing in the summer. <laughs> they're still going to use it to make improvements Well, for I sure.
4: will say I'm not rooting for them to leave, but if they do, it won't be such a loss
1: I mean, you gotta consider this too <laughs> there is a possibility that if the bears leave and go to arlington uh-huh. chicago number three market in the country could still make a play for a possible second, second nfl ball? team i, uh, I don't think that's gonna happen it's a long shot it's a long shot yeah it's a long shot first of all they have, i think they but have right be fun. to
3: right of first refusal they do uh, mm-hmm. because, absolutely yeah, absolutely they, they they own the market so yeah. to speak under the nfl rules but another reason to go to Arlington Heights is the fan experience at Soldier Field is miserable. Yeah, man. Mm. Unless you're in a box. It's very nice if you're in a skybox. Mm. Uh-huh. It's very convenient. <laughs> yeah. But if you have no to sit out. outside <laughs> in those nosebleed, you okay. know... Uh, seats and uh, the and the conditions, the long lines, driving cons-
0: there, parking there, getting sure.
3: there, oh,
4: getting God. out of there. Right.
0: It's exactly. a so, so like, which of you is actually going to drive out to Arlington Heights for a game?
4: I may do that one time during preseason. Take the metro, you know, yeah, no, during preseason, during preseason. Yeah, that's my that's my time. I don't really go. That's too expensive. The
1: proposal <laughs> calls for a new train station that's going to be outside yeah. of the Arlington racetrack area. That's going to be a direct. You know, Chicago to Arlington Heights. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. So nice. That that issue would probably probably be resolved there. you still got
0: Metro right
4: there too in Soldier
0: Field.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, here's a question from uh, Chicago Six Seventy Five on YouTube. They say, can a dome actually work at Soldier Field the way it's set up?
3: If you spend enough money, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why it's two (laughs) point two billion. Fix it up. putting lipstick on a pig is still a pig. Mm. Yeah. There's still, uh, you know, the site location problems the difficulty in getting there, getting out of there. Um, And uh, again, there's the revenue side, which the city simply can't match. So
0: if they don't end up moving, say they strike a deal with with Mayor Lightfoot and they get the dome over Soldier Field and they stay in Chicago, does that mean that they're stuck with this $197 million property in Arlington Heights, Brandon?
1: There there are ways they can— Basically, they have first ownership rights of it. They, there are things they can do with that site outside of having a stadium. Their mm. their big proposal has been an overall entertainment district in that area, a Bears land in a sense. Yeah. Um, they could still do that. Would it make sense to do that without a stadium there? Probably not. So mm. you'd think that the Bears would probably look to then – sell it back or sell it to somebody else at that What point. I want to know is, did they
3: pay cash or do they have
1: a mortgage? <laughs> and if they have a mortgage, what's the nut? You know? That's good a great question. question. That's exactly. a good question. Well, what's,
4: what's the earliest that they can leave? They can, 20, 23 20, 30, 30 is when the lease is over, right?
1: Ooh, I think it's, it's probably sooner than that. So mm-hmm. they, they can leave sooner than that, but... It's going to take a while. It's going to take it. a while to build the stadium, right. to make all the approvals and all that type of stuff. I think we're still years Everything away. Everything we're talking yeah. about is, is years yeah, out. So yeah. my
4: kids will still enjoy the Bears at Stady, uh, Soldier Field. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Justin Fields has got to play with the snow for a little longer. Right.
0: Yeah. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are breaking down the biggest stories of the week with a panel of wonderful Chicago journalists. We've got Coralie J. with Crane Chicago Business, Derek Blakely, former politics reporter with CBS2 Chicago, and Brandon Pope with CW26. Don't forget that you can watch us break down the news right now on WBEZ's Facebook and YouTube pages. You can also leave us comments or questions in the chat box, and I may just read what you have to say on the air. All right, let's turn to the mayor's race. Uh, the uh, We're 11 days 11 days away from Election Day. Wow. There's a new poll from Northwestern Center for the Study of Diversity and Democracy, which is showing a very tight race right now. Paul Vallis is in the lead with 19 percent. He's followed by Chewy Garcia at 17 percent. Incumbent Lori Lightfoot's at 14 percent and businessman Willie Wilson's at 12 percent. Any of these numbers surprising to you, Brandon?
1: No, not at this point. You know, early on when the polls were coming out, we got different variations all saying different things. And so you really couldn't look, look into them too hard. You still got to look at all polls with a grain of salt. But now every poll we're seeing is starting to say something similar, some variation of the same thing. Hmm. Paul Vallis is the front runner. Chewy Garcia, Lightfoot. Brandon Johnson somewhere within striking distance. This one got Willie Wilson in that. Willie Wilson and Johnson have kind of been going back and forth in that four spot. Sometimes Johnson's at three. It just depends on which one you're looking at. But Vallis, that's been the big talker because this is a man many deemed unelectable in Mm -hmm. Chicago, given his, you know, GOP ties and FOP endorsements and stuff like that. Not as progressive or big blue as the others. Um, But crime has been the big note in this race. Yes. And he's been hitting that note aggressively hard.
0: I was not surprised at all when we hosted our forums last week that uh, the the day when we had Valis on, he was literally the, the subject of every attack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, ah, okay. That's runner status for ex- you. Exactly. Uh, I mean, Corley, how much stock do you put into polls anyway uh, because I mean as, as Brandon said there are other polls that are showing Brandon Johnson right, for instance exactly. in so, the top
4: four not too much I don't think so and it was really surprising to me to hear that Willie was really really high uh, I, expected, I uh, expected that to go to uh, Brandon so mm-hmm. I don't know how much to put on these polls and uh when uh didn't Harold Washington kind of poll low
1: when yeah, about- and, and around this time as well, Lori Lightfoot was polling well exactly. around this so time as well. How so how much can we
4: really put on it? Right.
1: Yeah, things can change, a lot can change. But I think you got to look at trends as well. Uh early voting right now, especially with mail-in, uh mail has got voter turnout looking really good so far, but you look at where a lot of these votes are coming in, it's mm-hmm. it's leaning like it'd be Vallis territory, Mount Greenwood mm. Park, 19th oh, Ward, not you know, 41st Ward, uh McGowan Park, 11th Ward, you know, that all seems to benefit Mm Vallis at this point so you you got to look at those south and west side wards what are they going to do? What turnout's going to be exactly. like over there? Yeah. That's going to be the story. But so far, I think Vallis is looking pretty good.
0: So earlier this week in a forum with NBC5 and WVON, we saw three candidates focus their attacks on Brandon Johnson, uh, Lori Lightfoot, state rep Cam Buckner, and organizer Maul Green. They've all gone on the offensive when it comes to, to Johnson. So so let's let's talk about that, uh, Derek. I mean, because Lightfoot called Johnson a, quote, false prophet. Maul Green called him a fraud. What are your thoughts?
3: Well, essentially, that's Lori Lightfoot trying to protect what she sees as her voter base, which is black voters. And um, she she has a lot of competition for that vote. Willie Wilson, uh, Cam Buckner, Sheesh. Uh, Sophia candidates. King, Roderick right. Sawyer, Jamal Green, and Brandon Johnson are all uh, other black candidates. But Brandon Johnson is seen as, as being the leader other than Willie Wilson in that group, mm-hmm. and he's very well financed uh, from the Chicago Teachers Union. So she is trying to to beat back uh, any defection of black voters, defection as she would see it, yeah. to him. I mean, you're
0: uh, our veteran politics guy here. Is that a winning strategy, you think?
3: Uh, Yes. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have to see whether it wins for her, but, uh, you know, dragging uh, your... Major opponents down are trying to increase their negatives in the, in the eyes of voters uh, is, is very much a, a, a tried and true tactic. But I think, um, like Brandon said, I, th- I think Paul Vallis is the leader um, in the race. And the reason I think he is is because um, he, he, there is no competition for his slice of the electorate. Northwest side, mm. southwest side, ethnic wards, uh, some some downtown vote – um, he is the only white candidate in the race, and we don't want to talk about race, but this is Chicago, yeah. right. and he's the only white candidate. Um, and if you look at the 2019 uh, results, there were six white candidates, led, of course, by Bill Daley, who right. just barely missed making the runoff. He just got 350 votes less than Preckwinkle, or else he would have been in the runoff. Mm. But um, those six white candidates got— um, uh, 31% of the vote.
0: And are you surprised by Vallis being a front runner, especially considering what Brandon brought up earlier? It wasn't long ago that folks considered him unelectable.
3: Well, no, because this is every year the electorate changes. Every year mm-hmm. there's a, there are different circumstances. Uh, his positives are as he, he is seen as uh, someone who can manage the city. He knows the budget inside out. He was a former budget director. He's run the public schools, the public schools. Uh, are are failing Chicago children. I mean, when you look at the results in the schools, um, and Which many of them have
4: blamed. And on so, him. so,
3: so, so <laughs> that that is what he sees uh, as uh, that is what it, are viewed as positives for him. And then we've got also. Let's not forget uh, Congressman Garcia is also a front runner. Uh, he has strong support from the progressive movement, yeah. but he is also challenged because. Uh, uh, Commissioner Brandon Johnson is running as a progressive candidate as well. So Paul Vallis is the only candidate who has his section of the electorate carved out. And I think that makes that yeah. makes uh, it likely that he is going to be at least one of the survivors of the runoff. We have to say likely because there's still a large undecided vote exactly. as well. Exactly. What is that like? Yeah. But un- but it's large 20 percent, 25 percent, 18 percent, various polls. Yeah. But um, – Undecideds generally do not break for an incumbent, and that's the bad news mm. for Lori Lightfoot. Derek, I will say this, however, yeah, I think Lori Lightfoot has a chance to benefit from uh, kind of a late-minute surge of black voters. Mm. Black voters tend to be conservative; they tend to favor the incumbents, as we've seen in our uh, long-standing congressmen, uh, you know, <laughs> who've been a, who've been in office forever. Um, and um, sometimes uh, older black voters say, "Well, you know, better the devil you know." They yeah. may not be crazy about yeah. Lori Lightfoot. Yeah. They might be crazy about the crime. I've heard that court- so many times. And in of course, black weeks. people are, are. have been the victims of the crime surge yeah. more than more than others. Um, so that there is a possibility. But yeah. um, she is, uh, I think, running an uphill race.
1: Hermine Hartman of Indigo made a, a similar point, endorsing Lightfoot and saying, basically, arguing that. Black candidates seem to drop out and rally around one candidate she was arguing for Lightfoot. Derek, I'm interested in your hmm. opinion on this. Um, does Lightfoot benefit more from a Valis runoff matchup or a Garcia runoff matchup? Well, that's she has said
3: she, she said Vallis is the candidate she, she wants. wants. Yeah. She's pinpointing. So do you, but do you, you think she's
1: right to that? You think she's right for that? Because I, 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 I'm not so one. sure. Yeah.
3: I, I think um, she is viewing it um, partially. Frankly, from a racial perspective, yeah. mm-hmm. because she thinks she can uh, yeah. rally the black vote and the Hispanic vote to her, um, and you know when you have one candidate to focus on, she can focus on amplifying uh, what she sees as Vallis's negatives. Mm-hmm. Right, um, it'd be
0: really easy for for, him, for her to do that. So, so Corley, the the, the race, it really might be a nail biter just based on on some of the things I'm hearing today. Early voting turnout is is high right now. There are tons of mail in ballots coming in. I know the Chicago Board of Elections said earlier this week that they've seen nearly 64,000 ballots Mm. so far. Compare that to to the 2019 municipal election, when at this point voters really had only cast just over 12,000 ballots. Wow. What do you think it is that's pushing voters to turn out right now? What could it be?
4: Well, uh, a lot of people have been complaining about Lightfoot. You know, she isn't the person that they thought they that she was when she ran, you know, running as a progressive, but that wasn't really her ideology. And you have all of these candidates, you know, uh, a lot of them uh, kind of have the same ideologies, but a lot of them slightly different, you know, like ballots, and um, I think that people just want to change. You know, uh, the 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 crime is a big thing. Education is a big thing. And you have people that like uh, Jay Maul, we've seen a lot of time, Willie Wilson. But you have uh, Johnson, you have Buckner, you know, these people that's really coming out. Is, and it, actually, is that
0: it? Is it more options I on the table? I think life. It's like, really hmm. the more options. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. But too many options could benefit her for sure. I mean, yeah. she still like, operates but- in that, you know, far left in a way, yeah. mm-hmm. pr- progressive lane, or at least tries to or pr- pr- pretends to be, some would say. But-
0: and, and let's talk about money here. Block Club Chicago's yeah. Mick Dumkey had a recent report on the sheer amount of money being spent in this Sheesh. race, $22 million across nine candidates. Mm-hmm. Willie Wilson's got the biggest war chest with $6 million. Lori Lightfoot's close behind with $5.1 million. Paul Vallis, $4.6 Derek, how does this compare to, to past mayoral races? Or, or is this the usual amount that we see?
3: well uh more than the amounts uh I think you have to look at you know who is giving to who um, and uh Paul Vallis is benefiting from a, a surge of money from uh the moneyed interests uh business people investors um, uh, uh, financiers like uh John canning, who may not be a familiar name to our viewers, uh, our, our listeners, I should say, but uh is a is a big behind the scenes power in Chicago. Uh, Craig Ducheswa, the son of the mm-hmm. racetrack owner, uh, or mm-hmm. the former owner of uh, the Arlington uh, Arlington Park ra- racetrack, the business community is really. Uh, piling it on uh, for Vallis. Yeah. Lori is getting some of that business money because, you know, business people like to hedge your bets. They like to have, <laughs> you know, they want to know that they've got an ear open right. uh, no matter who, who
1: wins. A lot of sports teams back in her, too. Owner, ownership yeah. of sports teams. Sure. Sure. Money, sure.
0: Money doesn't necessarily equal votes, but it definitely helps. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. you got to have money to run. And money Vallis talks. has been seeing more than he ever has for any run. So. Yeah.
3: He's always, uh, when I interviewed him, he said, I asked him what he had. Uh, learned from his last uh, election, uh, his last mayoral run, and he said, I learned I didn't have enough money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, he says, I've gotten better at fundraising.
0: <laughs> we'll take a pause there. That is uh, former politics reporter Derek Blakely. We've got Corley J. with Crane Chicago Business and CW26's Brandon Pope. We are just getting started. Stick around because there's plenty more news to cover. And we're back now with more Reset and more of the Weekly News Recap. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and with us now is a panel of journalists breaking down the biggest state and local stories. Let's get back into it.
2: Starting March 1st, the federal government is ending emergency snap
1: food benefits all across the country.
0: Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker delivered his annual State of the State address at the state capitol. CTA and PACE are collaborating on ticketing and passes to make commuting a little easier.
2: Chicago's first black independently-owned dispensary opened its doors. Make-A-Wish announced Michael Jordan will make a record-setting $10 million donation.
0: At the table with me today is Derek Blakely, veteran journalist and former CBS2 politics reporter, Crane Chicago business reporter Corley J. and Brandon Pope, reporter and anchor with CW26. Don't forget that you can also watch the weekly news recap right now on the WBEZ Facebook and YouTube pages. All right. On Wednesday, Governor J.B. Pritzker gave the annual State of the State address. It was combined with the budget address. So we got a two-for-one deal there. And over the course of nearly an hour, he had a lot to share. Let's listen.
2: Today, I ask you to partner with me once again, this time on the long-term investment that has the greatest return for taxpayers with the most positive social and economic impact that I have ever come to you with. It's called Smart Start Illinois, and it will make our state the best place in the nation to raise young children. When it comes to K-12 education, we've come a long way, and we still have a long way to go which is why I'm proposing we increase our investment in K-12 education by another $506 million. With a $100 million increase in MAP, we can make history. Together with Pell Grants, virtually everyone at or below median income in Illinois can go to community college tuition free. So the big
0: takeaway seemed to be uh, his proposal to invest in education. So uh, let's start with universal preschool Pritzker wants to make preschool available to every three- and four-year-old in Illinois by 2027. Now, do you think that this goal is within reach? (laughs)
1: <laughs> that that's that's an interesting question. I think the goal is definitely within reach. He would hope so with all the money he's putting into this. Uh, his, his number he put out there. He said uh, he said five hundred sixty-five billion. Uh, my math, according to all the proposal, says seven hundred million dollars toward education overall. Two hundred fifty million over four years to ramp up pre-K education. One hundred million for new facilities to accommodate that more pre-K education. Three fifty for elementary and secondary schools. Um, $100 million toward MAP programs, like all of that together, that's a major investment. By 2027, he's got to make sure he get, gets through all the approval processes mm-hmm. and gets every school. He's, he, this is statewide, not the Chicago, so he's got to get yeah. everybody on the same page, but I think it's feasible within that time period.
0: The governor um, made a lot of promises in his speech yeah. you know, from a, a nearly $1 billion boost in education to a $10 billion pension contribution as well. But Republicans sounded the alarm. They said the state just doesn't have the revenue to support these expensive promises. What do you think, Derek? Do they have a point?
3: Well, uh, Illinois has uh, been flush with cash from two sources. First of all, we had the the federal COVID funds that have uh, really boosted the state's bottom line, and a stronger than expected economy. I think what the Republicans are saying is what if the economy takes a downturn, and and we already know this federal cash is going to disappear? Mm-hmm. So long term, can do do we have the revenues to sustain this level of spending, and and that's that's really an open question. Um, the the other thing you mentioned pensions as a taxpayer, uh, you know the. the The Democrats can do anything they want in Springfield. They have hegemony. They've got a supermajority. They control every statewide elected office. And, of course, they hold the governor's chair. But they have done really nothing to substantially, and and I mean substantially, attack the pension monster that is eating the Illinois budget. 27% of the Illinois budget now is spent on pension payments. That is only going to grow. It is not sustainable. And they have not lifted a finger to try to uh, manage the growth. Um, And and that's a major reason why property taxes are so high, too, is pension costs.
0: You mentioned taxpayers. I should note the governor's speech did not include any major tax increases. And with the possibility of a mild recession this year, any increases will not go over well. With taxpayers, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, So, uh, Brandon and Corley, I want to move over to SNAP benefits here, because in other statewide news, emergency benefits uh, are ending soon in 32 states, including here in Illinois. This will affect more than 2 million residents here who have relied on that extra money, uh, especially as we've been seeing record inflation it feels like just the worst time. The eggs are so damn high yeah. for these SNAP benefits to be ending. What do you think, Brandon? I'll come to you first.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You're dealing with, you know, the threat of a possible recession, inflation really high. And now uh, hundreds, $200, $300, that's a big dent. in a family's finances. That's a huge Huge. debt, especially uh, you already got to pay more for food. Uh, there was a great article at a tribune, um, that was talking to families about how they're going to deal with Mm this. And, uh, Now it's on food pantries, really. There's going to be a lot more influx of food pantries to step in and fill some of that need. And in talking to a lot of these food pantries myself for stories, they're having struggles themselves in filling their pantries and being able to have enough stuff for these people. So uh, this is a story that's really mounting that we're going to have to pay attention to as these SNAP benefits draw back because that that economic divide in Chicago is already steep. Mm -hmm. It's set to be steeper after this.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to me to see how people kind of make up for that loss in money and what they do, like if they get any side hustles, whatever. It's going to be
0: interesting. Oh my gosh, yeah. Earlier this week we talked to um, the CEO of Nourishing Hope Pantry in Lakeview uh, who said that they're getting ready for a huge spike in demand. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, any thoughts there? How how will food pantries be be relied on to to fill in the gap here? The lines I can picture to be around the block.
4: Exactly. I'm I'm just, I don't even know what to expect. Like, I really don't. I
1: I think what's going to Obviously, it takes a village, right? Yeah. So a lot of these, a lot of these shelters are going to need more of us to step up and oh,
4: a lot more volunteers, a lot more volunteer yeah.
1: work. But there's only so much they can do. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's it's almost basic economics. You know, when you got so much demand but not enough supply, mm-hmm. it, it, it gets overwhelming. So I'm I'm really concerned about this personally. Um, I I think that. We all have to, as Chicagoans, as as a village, think if we have those extra cans sitting around or even if we're Aww, at the store yeah. ourselves and we think we can afford it, you know, stop by Aldi, grab some stuff and drop it off real quick. Yeah. I, I think any little bit helps because people are really going to need it at this time. That that few hundred dollars. Oh, my gosh. Yeah,
0: it really helps. One woman I talked to earlier this week who is a, a SNAP recipient was talking about how she – Had gone from getting some 200 and something uh, a month to 600 with this additional boost that they've been getting through the pandemic, and is now going to slide back to below 200 once the benefits end at the end of February. So, I mean, how do you when you had this extra 400 cushion, how do you how do you slide back when the prices have increased since you got the boost and not lowering? Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: That's the tough part. Uh, Could
0: could lawmakers be doing more on this front? Think- well the federal
3: government could could step in and uh just as they raise the benefits they could either uh make the raises permanent or uh perhaps raise them to to a lower level um you know that's that's the problem um that they created mm-hmm. in, in trying to solve one problem which mm-hmm. is uh, yeah. the the co- you know the re- residue of the the covid pandemic mm-hmm. you create another one because when you When you remove those benefits, then people have to have to adjust and uh, they may not have the ability to do so.
0: Corey, you've actually reported a bit on on the soaring grocery prices too, um, right? Specifically, the egg, eggs. The egg prices, yeah, mm. yeah. Tell us more about what. I mean, you, got what
4: eggs, you, thought, you got money now, who you uh, talk to? Exactly. So, uh, a lot of urban farms who have uh, chickens, they have seen a, a a boom in backyard farming. So, a lot of people who are complaining about the egg prices have actually turned to raising their own chickens to get their eggs that way. Even though it can seem like it's not sustainable, it depends on uh, if you have the lifestyle for that because it can run you like just a thousand dollars for startup costs which you know isn't bad hmm. but if you get like a, a, a chicken you probably get about uh, a dozen eggs a week
1: so they're buying chickens now they're buying yeah, chickens exactly
4: i mean so i they was seeing save.
0: it on tiktok but i thought it was jokes at
1: first no, but no people are really people doing are this. really doing this i may have to think about it i eat eggs every day
4: yeah exactly so
1: this this would be something feasible for me i don't yeah. know where i'm gonna keep a chicken in my house <laughs> I'm
0: like so
4: where's the chicken right? gonna talk go to, right? also,
1: um, if it's producing eggs worth that much you can go anywhere it wants True. This yeah. company True. called rent, yeah. rent
4: the Chicken as well. They also rent out chickens. Rent to, a chicken? Yes, Rent the Chicken.
1: <laughs> yeah, rent, they rent chicken. out
4: chickens. Like even in the Chicagoland area, like oh, well. uh, during the farming the, the spring season all the way down to you know the end of summer. <laughs> Maybe they you can rent, rent a chicken wing. The chicken.
1: You know? oh, 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 how about <laughs> that? Well, yeah, can you rent the chicken to like? Cook the chicken?
4: No, oh, you get it for okay. the egg. Well, call me old
1: McDonald, okay? Because <laughs> oh I'm God. down with that. The Brilliant. incredible <laughs> edible egg. <laughs> I'm going to need some links. I need you just send me a link to that rent a chicken. Oh, you yeah, I you know think I'm playing, no, you I'm
0: playing around? You think I'm I'm laughing because I know you're not. I don't have exactly. a dog. I don't have
1: a cat, but I will grab a chicken. But you okay? know what's
0: interesting, uh, <laughs> in Sasha? Is that they
4: actually saw the trend in backyard chickens actually go up even before this whole thing with eggs and uh, before COVID? So, like, yeah. when people, they said, like, 2018, they seen a boom. But then it really went up in 2020 when people were, like, sitting in their house. They didn't have nothing to do. Hmm. And they took that on as a hobby because they wanted to do that. But they kind of, like...
3: I have a friend who keeps ducks. Oh.
1: And, uh, and ducks produce eggs. They do. Oh, and well. um, mm-hmm. they also produce great meat. I yeah. It, my favorite <laughs> the meat wanna, is duck.
0: Why are <laughs> <do> you <wanna> <laughs> <cook> <laughs> the trying words, to cook bro. these Animals. I right. haven't had breakfast or
1: lunch yet, so that's probably why oh, I'm hungry. All
0: right, moving right <laughs> along. All right, sticking with consumer news, and, and I'm sticking with you, Corley. The city of Evanston's debating banning cashless businesses. What's the story there?
4: Oh, um, man, I was just talking to Derek about this. Uh, so, the Ottoman out there is proposing uh that all businesses uh take cash, a cash mandate and he's saying it because it protects the unbanked population which is like a huge people uh people of uh, minorities, people of color who don't have banks and only have cash also the uh houseless population. So he's making sure that all businesses uh accept cash, accept cash so that people aren't left out, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, some people agree with it. I talked to one business owner who thought it was a great idea because she has kids that come into her business that have cash and also what people give the uh, homeless people funds so they can get a healthy meal while you have uh, other business owners who don't accept cash. They're only a cashless establishment because it kind of... Uh, Gives them a clientele of a certain caliber, they say. Mm. So it's kind of a
0: little mm. back and forth on this. So yeah, two right. sides of the coin here. What, what yeah. do you think, Brandon, Derek? Cash or, or card?
3: It's hard. I mean, it's it's a really tough one. Uh, on the one hand, uh, it seems common sense that if cash is legal tender, then it ought to be acceptable Accepted. to buy anything. On the other hand, it's yeah, it's a it's, a, it's a really another form of a business regulation and also businesses that are cashless say you know this is also a security measure mm, exactly. you know if we don't take cash then we don't have cash laying around and we're less likely to be stuck up um mm. or a victim of a stick up or robbery mm-hmm. um so it's it's a complicated issue I, I um but i would think i don't know i i, I there are some cities uh, that have uh, adopted this already. I think New exactly, York. Exactly. New York, you yeah. have
4: states like New Jersey that also, it's a lot of them that, that have this mandate. And uh, it also comes out there Lightfoot kind of proposed that to the little, villi- the little village uh, business owners to not accept cash so they can avoid robberies. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they were like, you know, we can't do that. You like shutting out a whole population that has cash. You know, you know? The, the, the,
3: yeah. the truth of it is we are moving toward a cashless society. Yeah. And maybe the real solution is to. Uh, Erode the barriers that prevent low income people from having uh, you know bank accounts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah. that's just as like a, a um, an internet link is an essential uh, part of of living in a modern society, being well informed being able to function in a society, um, so is really uh being banked i mean you know having a, a bank account having a checking account, and it seems like you know there there are a lot of barriers to that in terms of income. That that could be eased, yeah. in order to uh, permit the, the the low income population to move right. to move uh, in, in, into uh,
1: uh, being able to use banks. Yeah, because like, there's, uh, there's still plenty of businesses that are cash only here in Chicago. Oh yeah, I'm just talking about that. I you don't to, like that. You go to Hyde Park. I love going every to every so Inn.
0: often I'll walk into somewhere and yeah. it's it's, it's <laughs> cash still, only. We only take cash. Let's hear what uh, some of our friends on YouTube are saying. Chicago six seventy five says if a business goes cashless. That's their decision. Uh, And and looping back to our our conversation on emergency SNAP benefits ending Mm. page on YouTube says, why are we not making this uh, a voting issue? Food food costs is essential to each community member, Mm -hmm. Paige Mm. says there. Good point. Uh, Note on the cashless story, officials expect to bring the proposal before two separate committees next week Mm -hmm. before bringing it back to the uh, Evanston City Council in March. I want to quickly turn to another story before we take a pause, folks, and that's the CTA. Uh, Public transit in Chicago, it's about to get a bit easier. There's a new pass-sharing program between the CTA and the PACE systems. Starting on Monday, the two services will launch unlimited ride passes that work across both systems. How big of a deal is this, Brandon?
1: I mean, it just it just alleviates a headache. If you have to buy two different passes and you're a person that's commuting and using both systems, it becomes a headache. So, by joining both together, you know, they're not raising the cost at all. Uh, you're actually probably saving money if you just mm-hmm. have them all join it together, especially if you're using that unlimited monthly pass. But this also applies uh, as well to their three-day passes, their one-day passes. At uh, $75 for that joint unlimited pass. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a $5 surcharge that was eliminated on the seven-day passes. So overall, this has got to be really beneficial to commuters. And it's a time mm-hmm. where transportation and the conversation on transportation is like, really ramping up.
4: Yeah, it sure is part of the oh, race. Oh,
1: RTA is dealing with a lot of issues with ridership, lack of ridership, lack of dollars. Um, so they're trying to boost some of that back with these mergers, you know?
0: What, but I had a is it enough to that. lure people back though? You think like, unlimited ride passes cost $5 for a day and $15 for three days? Like are yeah,
4: frustrated definitely.
0: commuters, are they coming back based on this?
4: I don't know. It's a lot of, uh, issues I heard on the CTA about people smoking <laughs> and stuff like that. So mm. I don't know if it's enough, but maybe if you low- lower it, it could be. But I did have a question on where Metro stands with that. Are they not included? Or
1: they're not included in this. Not in this. Yeah, no. and that's that's a you. big issue.
3: Yeah, I mean because mm-hmm. it, I'm a metro rider. we really need a, a, a seamless uh, integration of, of public transit in Chicago, and Metro has always kind of stood alone because uh, you know they don't have a a, a, a one a, a single fare that allows you to ride anywhere right. in the system right. as, as CTA and our, and uh, and and Pace do. So um, they're more of a distance based. Um, uh, fair system. Um, but there have been talks about trying to, to link up all three. And, uh, so far they've, they've not been successful. Metro of course, is dealing with an, its own issues. I believe it's ridership is down, um, uh, 40, 50%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Haven't
1: bounced back much at all during <laughs> COVID. And, yeah.
3: and there's also talk about you know, trying to change their schedules, which are, you know, totally based on, uh, traveling from the suburbs to the loop and back, yeah. uh, whether it's morning or afternoon. But if you want to travel uh, between those times, um, you know, you're, it's really you're, difficult for you. It's I de- very difficult. Yeah. yeah, they
4: definitely should add more schedule. I, as a metro rider, I do find that very frustrating when I can't get down somewhere because it's not rush hour. I think they they need to work on that to increase ridership.
0: Let's take a pause. This panel is not going anywhere. We've got a few more stories that we just have to talk about, like a certain Chicago hero giving what might just be the biggest donation to make a wish foundation. Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons and we are back with more of our weekly news recap, giving you a closer look at the week's top stories across Chicago and Illinois. Before the break, we took a deep dive into the governor's plan to invest in education from pre-K to college and also a new past sharing program between CTA and PACE, but we still have more to get to and we're still live on YouTube for those who prefer to watch. Our panelists are Brandon Pope, Derek Blakely and Corley J. Let's jump right back in, Corley. This is a story you reported on. Chicago Bulls legend Michael Jordan celebrating his 60th birthday in a big way. What'd he do?
4: Oh, he donated $10 million to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which is the biggest individual donation to the organization. Nice. Yeah, and today is actually his 60th birthday. So, happy birthday, MJ. Happy birthday, MJ. <laughs> the second yeah. greatest
1: basketball player all time. You said time. second? Oh, it's great, to see. Oh, great to see. Here with his LeBron <laughs> right. slander. We
4: understand that MJ will always...
1: You mean LeBron, the all-time you, leading scorer in Chicago. Wow. You're in Chicago. Okay, you boo. can't diss MJ. Y'all can boo me. It makes me... Well, um, Never invited move. back to the recap. I also
4: learned that uh, MJ is actually the most requested celebrity from my
0: Make-A-Wish Foundation.
1: I can is, believe it. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's the most requested Make-A-Wish celebrity. He uh, granted his first wish with the foundation back in 1989. So he's been doing this. Yeah, he been mm-hmm. doing it. he's been doing it. Been doing this. All those to-
3: kids are walking around in his shoes. <laughs> they
0: wearing- <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. want to be like Mike. Yeah. yeah I guess so. <laughs> All right, let's. Keep on moving here. This is another story that caught our eye this week. Chicago now has its first independent black-owned cannabis dispensary. It's called the Grasshopper Club. It's a family business in Logan Square. This family, the Brewers, right? Mm -hmm. They first applied for one of the state's social equity licenses back in 2019. Finally got one just last summer. Are you surprised it's taken as long as it has, Brandon, for the Brewers? And just Mm. applicants like them to just... Break into the industry.
1: The whole promise of this marijuana legalization through Illinois was the social equity component. Mm -hmm. And it has not delivered much at all until now. This is definitely great news. Mm -hmm. Am I surprised it took so long? Not at all. Being black in America? <sighs> no. Honestly, I'm not surprised at all that it took so long. Yeah. This is what the government tends to do when it comes to black people. Uh, but it's great to see this happen and hopefully it's, it's, it shows some progress for, for other independent black owners out there, especially given the fact that they don't have any corporation or major cannabis uh, company backer attached to this. And that also huge. the fact that Chuck uh, Chuck Brewer, the brother of Matt, he was incarcerated for marijuana oui, possession. Right. So that restorative justice angle is right there. And that's what this really was supposed to be all about, with the governor, people impacted I, by
3: it. You have to say the governor um, and the black politicians who sold this vision uh, – of a, of a pot at the end of the rainbow, a gold pot. Of, a <laughs> I pot. see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> one, Derek. You have to say it was really, um, up until this point, it's been a false promise. Yeah. yeah and really? um, so hopefully this will not be the last. Although, you know, you, when you look at the structure of the marijuana industry, um, it, what happens is consolidation. Mm-hmm. And um, even a lot of these uh, smaller... Uh, vendors start out and they make some money, but eventually they sell out to larger mm-hmm. uh, yeah. entities. To the well, the beer companies, to the the tobacco so here, companies mm-hmm. uh, are eventually going to take control of this industry. That's- well, yeah.
0: here's, here's another reason why it caught our eye. It was simply because of where the dispensary oh, yeah. is. Yes. So it's in the old Logan Square Trust and Savings Bank. Folks, take a look at this. I oh. mean, this is not... Your grandma's dispensary, right? (laughs) My friends on YouTube and Facebook. I mean, can you take a look at that? This is—it's a big, white, stately building with columns and it dates yeah. back to the 1920s mm-hmm. isn't that wild Old it bank,
1: right wasn't that used to be a bank yeah, yeah. yeah Logan square
0: trust and savings bank And they have a, a, a couple
4: others that were kind of eyeing that spot as well i'm like this is a dispensary yeah okay
1: doesn't look like it from the outside which i it gives us some unique appeal yeah know? it does makes you want to check it out
4: i'm hoping that they branch out to the south side you know mm-hmm.
0: with
4: yeah. another dispensary because they said they wanted it to expand
0: yeah let's turn to one of my favorite topics Food. <laughs> so y- you know we got to talk food heading into the weekend. Chicago Black Restaurant Week kicked off its eighth year last Sunday. Dozens of black-owned businesses will offer specials in the city and suburbs for a total of two weeks through February 26th. Nice. Do y'all take part in any of these deals? Oh, you have oh to. yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Okay, that was uh, in this economy.
0: <laughs> a right, right. We just talk about inflation. <laughs>
1: Come on, now. <laughs> of course we do. Am I well, looking for a deal?
0: What's your favorite black-owned restaurant in and around Chicago, Corley? Mm. I, I got uh, I'm Peaches. i spot. Peaches. Peaches. Oh, Peaches. And yes,
4: mm.
1: Rosville. Them
4: waffles. When I first had those waffles, I could not talk, stop talking about those waffles.
1: They used to have a soul bowl. What was oh it about God. those waffles, Corley? They us. like
4: so buttery and the way they melt in your mouth. Like, oh, my God, I would kill for those waffles. Wow. Wow.
1: Yes, not, not really. Good, huh? she
0: yes. didn't mean that.
1: <laughs> I got you on tape. We got you on tape. Not you do, actually. You do.
0: Shout out, peaches. <laughs>
1: uh, I would go with virtue. I mean, you can't go wrong with the the mac and cheese, the ribs. Brandon, get uh, out of my brain. Brains. I was going to say virtue. Oh, yeah, as would I. And yeah. I
0: was also going to shout out. You going to say virtue as well? I can do a different
1: one. Chicken box. Yeah, that's do a different place. one. Chicken oh, that's box. new. Right? Yeah, from yeah. Uh, DJ Mike P. Great chicken, great deals. You can win some free shoes. It's a win win to me. Are they good?
0: The it's pretty good. Is- yeah. Shout out to the chicken sauces, box.
1: especially. Yeah. And
3: mm. shout out
0: to Virtue in Hyde Park. What about you, Derek? Uh,
3: well, I was going to say virtue too, but I also <laughs> like,
0: um,
3: I also like uh, his uh, other restaurant, his Poor Boy restaurant. Oh, the Poor Boy restaurant. Oh yeah, that's that's really good. I I'm went there in Hyde Park.
0: As yes, well? okay. it is. I went there when it first opened uh, last summer, sitting on the patio, and literally could not finish my meal because people kept stopping, like, "Is it good?" It, like they were so excited that mm-hmm. it was open and it could finally, you know, be a place that they could jump into. Um, the Trib also shouted out beignet waffles at how do you say this? right? Is it Chases? It's taking part in Chicago Black Restaurant Week as well. Where is it located? I don't know. <laughs> 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 I There's a lot sh- of it, great.
4: Yeah, I want to shout out uh, this popcorn know all, spot folks. that I like. Enjoy your corn. is in Ashburn, like oh. on the uh, 79th in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Black on. They have a variety of popcorn flavors, and I love
0: that spot. So y'all get a chance to t- check that out.
1: And I'll shout out Sean Michelle's ice cream because, oh, yes. oh man. Yeah. That's some of the best oh, ice cream. All right, this just in man. from
0: the control room. That restaurant that I pronounced horribly is in Avondale. Okay. Avondale, okay. <laughs> oh, nice. All right, now we can move forward. Mardi Gras is Tuesday, and in Ooh. Chicago, it's all about the Punch keys. <laughs> you you I did, it right. it. yes, <laughs> I did it. All right. So, have you each had a key before? Oh. Yes. Clearly, yes. I haven't, I don't, know. And I just, I don't think I had one, one before.
1: And they're pretty good. They're, it's just a donut, basically. Exactly.
0: Is so it? maybe I've had one. So, how do you out. describe it to someone who hasn't had it?
1: It's a filled donut. It's a it's a pastry. Um, okay. That, that you put different fillings in. It
4: could be jelly custard. It could
1: be a custard. It could be you know cream cheese filling. It could be whatever you want it to be. Sometimes fruit on top. Sometimes some 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 decoration on top. Mm. And uh, usually powdered sugar or something like that. It's delicious. And yeah, mm-hmm. you got
3: to get them before Ash Wednesday.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Absolutely. Right? Okay. They'll be gone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Where where's your go to Punchki Bakery in the city?
3: Well, Never. there there are a number of uh, ethnic Polish bakeries. <laughs> Uh, of course, that, that feature them. Uh, I live in Evanston, and uh, Benison's Bakery, which is a longtime bakery, there is a is a good spot for them.
1: Hmm. I'm gonna be honest. I go to Jewel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just gonna be real Yo, with I it. I love how you're so real, though. I just gotta be <laughs> real with no oh, Jewel.
0: Anybody celebrate Mardi Gras, or is eating punchkis, is that the celebration?
4: I'm guessing that's a celebration. Pretty much. That's a part mean, of unless it. you're in that's New Orleans. I, I used right. to work
1: in South Bend, Indiana, which has a big Polish community. So it was a, it was a big deal when I was over there, Fat Tuesday. New Orleans food specials. Ooh. I do miss that. The etouffee. That and, sound lit. Oh, it mm. was great. Maybe hey. I'll go find me some.
0: By the way, you're getting corrections in the uh, control room from some Chicagoans. It's it's Jules. Right. The oh, Jules. I, just, no, I was you add Jules. Jules. My Jules. My bad. Jules. I forgot to pluralize it <laughs> like Very, we always do. All these... <laughs> Very important. Alright, so rapid fire, you know, around the room, real quick, just in one minute, What's what other stories are you keeping your eye on in the current week? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ooh. Brandon. Oh,
1: oh, I have a I'm looking for, to see what the Bears are going to do about Justin Fields in the draft, the number one pick? I don't know.
0: Mm, that's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm eyeing this
4: United Center uh, strike. You know, they authorized Ooh. the strike vote uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago oh. and they just had the uh, negotiations with the contract uh, yesterday and I got a, uh, I got a statement from uh, the United Center but they have not announced when they will go on strike, but it could happen at any moment. So I'm definitely going to be eyeing that and I'm going to be reporting on that. It'll be the first one in the United States, I mean, United States, United <laughs> Center's history yeah. Yeah. if they go on strike. so
3: Yeah, that's uh, their uh, concessions the concession are workers. controlled by Levy, right? Yeah, Levy, Levy yep, organization. Exactly. yeah. exactly. Right. So that's, that's
0: going to be interesting. Anything on your radar over the coming week, Derek? Well, or are you I, just all consumed with the <laughs> mayor's race stuff? <laughs> well, I, I am going to be watching
3: the mayor's race, but another sports story, the... Uh, uh, domestic abuse allegations against White Sox pitcher yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike oh, wow. Clevenger. There's a Major League uh, investigation. Uh, Major League Baseball is investigating. Uh, the White Sox are 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 not because they cannot. They're kind of contractually barred yeah. from it. But they're kind of on pins and needles, waiting to see what Major League Baseball comes up with. And it's mm. taken yeah. forever. Um, Interesting.
0: Th- yeah. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. i, I got to tell you folks, though, so before you go, I think they're loving us on YouTube. Right. Anne-Marie Thompson says, you guys are hilarious. <laughs> Chicago 675 says, I love how genuine this convo is. And was that our first Sounds Lit on the panel? Yeah. <laughs> I think it it may, was. Have been. may have been. <laughs> I made history. Thank you to today's <laughs> panel for helping us break down the stories. Corley J. with Crane Chicago Business. Derek Blakely, former politics reporter with CBS2 Chicago. And Brandon Pope with CW26. Have a great weekend.
1: Thank you.